Welcome to the International Podcast. Conversations that matter from around the world. From politics, entertainment, culture, the arts, lifestyle, and more. The International brings you various perspectives from key voices. And now, over to the host of the International, G. Van Robinson. A very pleasant day to everyone and welcome to yet another edition of the International Podcast. I am your host, G. Van Robinson, here with you for yet another day. Today we're heading into New York and we're going to be speaking to Dr. Daniel LaRoche. And Dr. LaRoche is a New York City glaucoma specialist. He's also the Director of Glaucoma Services and President of Advanced Eye Care of New York. Today we're going to be talking about vaccine hesitancy and vaccine hesitancy particularly within people of color the black and the latino community dr roche first, first let me welcome you to the international podcast how are you today i'm doing well thank you thank you very wonderful. much wonderful doc vaccine hesitancy within the black and the latino community why is this well, there's a lot of misinformation, bad information that's out there. Uh, when I've asked people about why they say they don't trust the government, they don't trust the vaccine because of things that happened with the Tuskegee study and the experimentation of blacks in the past, the fact that the vaccine was developed very quickly, uh, they'll say things like, oh, it affects your fertility or, um, you know, it, it, it affects your ability to reproduce the men. Uh, and so there's a lot of bad, they can kill you, some people have said to me. Uh, and they, so a lot of people have received bad information out there. And plus, the vaccine has become very political. Mm -hmm. uh, depending on what political affiliation you're with, uh, uh, in America, between we have the Democrats and the Republicans, and the Republicans, they don't want any mandates at all. Mm -hmm. Because they want freedom but they want freedom to discriminate. You know, like if they don't want to be around black people, that's, they want that freedom. If they don't want black people in their neighborhoods, they want that freedom. They've taken the freedom from the civil rights movement and flipped the definition of that. Because if they want the freedom not to take the vaccine, they want that freedom. They don't want a mandate or be told what to do. So all this bad information that's going out there uh, makes it very difficult uh, for everyone in our community to get vaccinated. The other thing is, um, in America, uh, we have a lot of segregation still. Although we have integration, the communities are still segregated. You know, communities are divided between black and white still residentially. And uh, from the history of discrimination, uh, you know, 40 years ago, they weren't training black doctors. So there were very few black doctors, very few black medical professionals. So when you're in black communities, you see very few black doctors, very few black medical professionals. Mm -hmm. But there's a decreased access to the right information as well. And so those are the variety of factors contributing to the, uh, the hesitancy of people getting vaccinated and then the lack of knowledge in the community. So uh, my offices are in the black communities in Harlem and Southeast Queens. And I spend a great deal of my time educating patients. And once patients receive the proper education, they're much more likely to get the vaccine, uh, particularly the seniors that are high risk as well. So most of our patients in our practice are, are, have gotten their vaccines, but the younger people, 
who don't realize, you know, how they can pass it on to the older generation and bring it home and contaminate older people, we're still having a tough time with them also here in the States. So new, new centers for disease control figures have shown Dr. LaRoche that those who have received at least the first dose of the vaccine, 5.4% are black people compared to 60% who are white. And, you know, studies also show that Black, Hispanic, and also the Native American population, they're four times more likely to be hospitalized and nearly three times more likely to die of COVID-19 than white people. Now, particularly to those who say to you, Dr. LaRoche, that, hey, the vaccine was developed too quickly. And according to what their research has informed them, vaccines normally take a number of years before they reach approval stage. How do you combat that specific concern? Well, right now, this has been unprecedented. We live in an age of information technology, of Google, of transmitting electronic information in seconds. The whole uh, global research community uh, was involved in coming up with the vaccine. We also knew the uh, strain of the coronavirus because it, you know, uh, we got that from China early on. Mm -hmm. So between all these factors, with all this technology and all these global efforts, uh, we were able to come up with a vaccine much faster. Just like nowadays, you know, your cars are faster than they were before. Your computers process the speed is faster than it was before. With modern technology, we were able to do that. In the future, we'll be able to come up with vaccines even faster than that. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the speed, the most important thing is it's not so much how it, it came up or how quickly it came up, but has it been tested? And it has been tested. We've done clinical trials in the United States, outside the United States, to show that it works and it's safe and it's efficacious and it protects against COVID. It reduces mortality against COVID and it doesn't cause any serious side effects that people need to be worried about overall. They're very mild side effects. Uh, like, you know, perhaps some people may, maybe get a slight fever, a slight chill, or uh, uh, something to that effect, uh, but it's much, much milder than what anything COVID could do. Mm -hmm. So do you think, Dr. LaRoche, that uh, governments, uh, city organizations, healthcare officials, they've done enough by way of information campaigns, so to speak, to sensitize and also to inform, such as what you are doing, the fears of these minority communities, particularly. I mean, the black community, they have their concerns about vaccines based on, as you mentioned in your introduction, something that happened uh, in the past, and particularly how uh, certain vaccines and certain things were used medically against the black community. Do you think enough information dissemination uh, programs have been put out there by the authorities, the people in, in power, to combat these fears? Well. I think that more needs to be done, specifically uh, direct to consumer education within those communities. Mm -hmm. um, in the United States, we have what's called like Black-owned media, mm -hmm. like Roland Martin and uh, Black News Network and things of that nature, right. where a lot of African-Americans and Blacks get their information from and trust that information. So uh, the government has to invest in those, uh, those entities. Mm -hmm to support Black-owned media, to get that information out to the community, and uh, with Black physicians that are representative of the community as well in that respect. So that needs to be done. Uh, more pop-up vaccination centers within the community as well, that works. Um, incentives work, you know, uh, providing incentives to get vaccinated both at the government level and the corporate level. 
And at some point, you know, you're always going to have some people that don't want the vaccine no matter what. Then you'll have to mandate it at some point as well because mandates work as well, too. But um, we need to have continuous information increasing those relationships with Black-owned businesses in the community. Uh, they are increasing communication with the churches in the community as well uh, so, so that people can uh, get access to that information. And even more importantly than that, moving forward, we need to diversify the medical workforce of physicians, nurses, uh, because the numbers of black doctors are so few. I mean, I'm an eye surgeon, okay? Mm -hmm. There's 40 million black people in the United States, but there's only 400 black eye doctors in the United States in terms of eye surgeons. Wow. Okay, the numbers are like terrible. And so uh, we have to change the system around and train a more diversified workforce to meet the needs in those communities. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, most of the white doctors are coming out, they're not really working in a black community or living in a black community. They tend to want to work in the white communities, which is okay, that's what they want to do. But, you know, when you have a multi-diverse country, you have to have a diverse workforce to meet the healthcare needs of those communities. And, and do you think, I know that America had a battle recently, particularly when President Obama was in power over the, the healthcare system and, and what happens around there, particularly in terms of who gets healthcare, universal healthcare, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think that this historical disparity, particularly within these minority communities, has, have put them really at a disadvantage in terms of access to healthcare? Also, the white doctors, so to speak, not wanting to work within the black communities uh, to assist with their healthcare needs. Well, yeah, America is the only country uh, that doesn't really, I mean, that doesn't really have a good universal health care system out of the so-called, quote, the term they use, the term developed countries in that respect, or Western countries uh, compared to Europe. And uh, that's also very political because uh, the Republicans, you know, anything that helps black and brown people, they don't want to vote for. You know, universal health care coverage is going to help not just black and brown people, but poor whites also, but they don't want to support that. You know, they want to keep like people down to support this capitalist system, which requires, you know, workers and laborers, and upper class and the lower class type of thing. Mm -hmm. So that's the battle that's being fought when, when, in America right now. Yeah. But the Obamacare universal healthcare was, was huge. It mm -hmm. brought millions of people to access to healthcare, uh, to save lives, uh, you know, to, to uh, you know, have not be worried about going bankrupt because you don't have health care insurance. You know, when you have a tragedy or illness, so that was huge in that respect. And you know, we have to continue to push the envelope forward to uh, you know get more universal health care, increase minimum wage, that will help reduce poverty, which will provide better health, and get people out of poverty so they can rise up to the middle class and get insurance, create businesses, get jobs and uh, get more education and become more vaccinated and more educated about their health as well. It was interesting to see during this fight over healthcare that the wealthiest country in the world and particularly here in the West to see the, the big disparity, so to speak, uh, amongst people in terms of providing healthcare for those who did not have coverage. And quite frankly, it was a bit scary to you know, being on the outside and watching what was happening within the United States to see how many people were just against uh, having this universal health care mandate. In terms of COVID-19, the vaccine, as is the purpose of our conversation today, there's concerns among some people, we're talking about vaccine hesitancy during our conversation, concerns among some people who have pre-existing conditions. Now we know within the Black 
uh, minority community, there are certain issues in terms of pre-existing conditions, uh, diabetes, uh, issues to do with uh, glaucoma, eye pressure, stuff like that. Uh, your, your patients who are concerned about these pre-existing conditions impacting them taking the vaccine, those are fears that, do you find those fears particularly difficult to allay? Well, most of my patients with these pre-existing conditions that are elderly, they realize they're in a high-risk category right. and they've taken a vaccine. But you'd be surprised. We have a few holdouts that are elderly, have the diabetes, have hypertension, and still just don't want to take the vaccine. Like, hey, if it's my time, my time will come. I just don't want to take the vaccine uh, from a lack of trust. Uh, and so that's a, still a burden that we still have to overcome. And, 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 and I think, you know, some of that's generational. Some of these elderly people have seen a lot in this country that took place from Jim Crow, from segregation. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they maybe just, they just really have a innate distrust type of thing. There's some of that that I, I run into. No matter how much time I spent with them to talk to them, I said, look, I got it. My wife got it. My kids got it. I'm doing okay. They just still don't want to do it. And so that's on a rare side, but thank God the majority of the people that we do reach and we do educate do take. So, you know, in your profession particularly, and considering all the information, the patients that you're exposed to, and one thing I came across is that uh, by September of this year, 75% of the adult population in the United States had received at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine. What would you say towards this and the progress of individuals taking the vaccine within the population as a whole? Well, in New York, we're having mandates now, okay? Mm -hmm. All government workers have to get the vaccine. If you want to get on a plane, you have to have the vaccine. So the mandates are working. Everybody, you know, if they don't want their lifestyle interrupted, they will get the vaccine. Right. And if we continue those mandates, if you want to get on a bus, if you want to get on a train, you have to show a vaccine card, otherwise you can't get on a train. So those mandates will be kicking in in that respect. But what I would tell people is this. If you look at a country like Iceland, right. okay, like nearly 100% of the adult population has been vaccinated. And they've not had any deaths for the last six months, like since May, okay? And when you ask a person from Iceland, why did you get the vaccine? They'll say, oh, that was my civic duty, okay? That's what they'll say. Mm -hmm. So that just shows that, hey, you know, you have a population that's nearly 100% vaccinated. They've not had any deaths. And that's what we need to move to and have that understanding. But because of the political divide, America also has a lot of poverty. Although America's, unquote, the richest nation in the world, in New York City, we have a 30% poverty rate, okay? We have a lot of poor people throughout America as well that don't have access to insurance, that have, you know, decreased uh, food access to healthy foods. We have a high obesity rate in America. A lot of people with diabetes and hypertension. Uh, we treat people, there's, there's not as big an emphasis on wellness and you know, diet and exercise early on. It's more like treatment after you get the disease. So we have our own issues that we have to work through and work, work through to, to make it a more healthy America, uh, to make it a safer America, and a more vaccinated America. 
you brought something up very important just now, the issue of wellness and mental health, we know, is the other aspect of this COVID-19 pandemic that the authorities, I think, now are paying even more attention to. From your experience, again, and from your exposure, how's that been in terms of persons coping? Uh, well, I know we haven't had lockdowns and stuff like that for some time now since uh, the vaccines really have started to take effect. But from the mental health aspect, do you think that more needs to be done to focus on that aspect of the whole COVID pandemic? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, this has created uh, a tremendous, uh, many mental health issues from isolation, people who live alone, maybe can't go out and they're isolated. Maybe they're not as good with the technology to communicate and stay connected. Mm -hmm. Fear, fear of getting COVID, fear of going out, fear of just not even wanting to go out the house because we're in a pandemic still and uh, in that respects. Um, and then the uh, mental health people that lost people. We've lost nearly like 700,000 people here in America. Yeah. And, you know, depression. Uh, I mean, some kids have lost both their parents. Uh, and so there's a, a lot of mental trauma from all kinds of different things, from many different perspectives. So mental health is increasingly important. And unfortunately, that's another area we have gap. I mean, mental health is often not well compensated for by insurance companies. Okay. Uh, respect and people have decreased not a great access to mental health uh, care in that respect and that has to change folks you're listening to the international podcast i'm your host jivan robinson and we're speaking to dr daniel laroche and he's a new york city glaucoma specialist he's also the director of glaucoma services and the president of Advanced Eye Care of New York. We're talking vaccine hesitancy, and Dr. LaRoche is a very busy man. He's afforded me a very strict amount of time here today on the international. So we're, we're gonna basically, Doc, I know you have to go, so I'm very cognizant of the time and the allocation that we had. But let me ask you, in terms of the noble effort that you are undertaking in terms of informing people, giving them the accurate information about vaccines and the efficacy of them and so forth, do you have a lot of your counterparts joining this particular fight? And I say fight, quote unquote. Yes, I'm part of the National Medical Association. Uh, that's the Association of African-American Physicians across the United States. Mm -hmm. Also, the New York City Department of Health, the CDC is working. Um, many different organizations are trying to get the right information out there. But, you know, we have groups, anti-vaccine groups, right-wing groups, uh, even within the black community. Uh, like if you go to the Nation of Islam website, okay, there's a lot of incorrect information about vaccinating and encouraging their people not to take the vaccine. Uh, and, you know, that's unfortunately bad information. And they have a, a large problem, you know, with the black community. And so even within our community, we have to fight bad information in that respect. So uh, people, people are working on it, like I said, we have to continue to uh, get the right information out there because without the vaccine, there's a higher death rate. And something else I want to tell you, viewers, yeah. is that the concept of vaccination really has an African origin, okay? Um, there was, uh, back during the smallpox vaccination in Boston, there was a slave, someone who had been enslaved, an African who was enslaved named Onesimus. Mm -hmm. And he said, look, in our country, back in Africa, when we have these type of epidemics that come out, uh, we take the pus from the pimple of a smallpox and we take that pus 
and we infect a normal person with it, and that gives them protection against the virus. Okay, that was a crude form of vaccination. We take like some deactivated virus from the pus of a smallpox patient and transmit that to create antibodies in a normal person. And that worked. And that was a crude form of vaccination that has an African origin. People don't know that. Now we have much, much more sophisticated techniques where you can look at the, the DNA and take a small portion of the DNA and all these different manipulations to make it much more safer, much more sterile in that respect. But it has an African origin. How do you respond to those individuals who say, Doc, I am not an anti-vaxxer. I just want to wait and see. We get people that say that. What are you waiting for? Because you know what? <laughs> You're going to get one of two things. You're going to get the vaccine if you want it now, or you will get infected with COVID, okay? You will get, I mean, you're going to get one of the two. It's going to come your way, okay? Now, the thing is, is that are you in the high-risk category? Uh, do you have pre-existing conditions? Are you, one of, are you going to be one of those young persons that gets the COVID but has uh, lung damage, okay? And it's part of a long COVID situation. Or one of those few young people that actually happens to pass away from COVID, mm-hmm. okay? Because young people, now it's not that many in the young crowd, but there are some young people. Or would you rather have a vaccine that's you know, gonna be much more safer for you and protect you against the COVID when it comes? So those are the choices. And I respect whatever someone decides, but I just give them the information. I give them the knowledge. And then when that, per- and then the other thing is this, not only that, but let's say you do get COVID and you may not, let's say you're asymptomatic. Let's say you get it, you're strong, you're asymptomatic but you have to take it home to your mother or your grandmother and she gets it and dies. How would you feel? Yeah. yeah. So those are the conversations that we have. And then, you know, you, you try to bring people along uh, to have them see the light, to see how not only it protects that person, but the people around you. But, you know, you're always going to have a few that still don't want to do it. And then the mandates will help. And if they don't want to do the mandates, then they're going to lose certain privileges or certain abilities in, in that respect. Quite informative our conversation so far, Dr. LaRoche. And as I said, I'm very aware that we're on a time factor here today. You authored a book, and I'm going to invite you back to talk about that, how to become a successful Black man. That could be a whole other conversation, which we can go on for another half hour to talk about. But briefly, tell us about that. This book that you authored, uh, a new young adult book, How to Become a Successful Black Man. It educates and empowers young boys and men of African descent uh, about their history, heritage, and legacy. Just tell us about that briefly before you go kindly. Yes, in the media, you often see bad images of Black men all the time. Okay, and in the schools, they don't really learn the true history of black people. In America, they start talking about black history from slavery, okay? But there was a whole glorious black history way before slavery for thousands and thousands of years. So I share that information in the book, okay? And then I get into uh, where we came from in the Nile Valley with that history, how we came up with writing, language, astronomy, agriculture, all these things, spirituality, uh, to have a good moral compass, to share that history that we have. And then, so I start with them. Then I bring it through what happened during the slave trade and what we lost during the slave trade and what happened during the slave trade. And then I go through steps of what we need to do to come back, to rebuild back to that greatness and to avoid pitfalls in society and still work with each other, help each other build back up. So it's geared towards um, young adults, teenagers. It's a great family book. It's also for young kids with guidance of a parent 
because they'll have questions to explain things. It's available on Amazon. Uh, so it's a, you know, I've gotten a lot of good feedback about that book. Uh, a lot of people thank me for writing it. Uh, it's something you're going to see, you're going to learn information. Even adults have told me, wow, I didn't know this. Okay. Elderly adults tell me, I didn't know this. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to learn something from it. You'll be inspired by it. And it's going to give you a perspective that you'll appreciate that you didn't know about I definitely will be getting myself a copy and I'm going to take this opportunity to invite you back at some point in the future when you do have the time recognizing your busy schedule. And uh, we're going to talk specifically about this topic, how to become a successful black man. Uh, Folks, we have been speaking to Dr. Daniel LaRoche and Dr. LaRoche is a glaucoma specialist in New York City. He's also the director of the Glaucoma Services and president of Advanced Eye Care of New York. Today, we're talking about vaccine hesitancy within people of color in the United States. Dr. LaRoche, thank you so much for being here with me today on The International. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Wonderful. Folks, that brings us to the end of the international podcast for this week. Until we meet again next week, I'm your host, Jeevan Robinson, saying have yourself a wonderful day. The International Podcast. Conversations that matter from around the world. From politics, entertainment, culture, the arts, lifestyle, and more. The International brings you various perspectives from key voices. 